Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. So we have got some crazy data coming out of the European banking system. We're seeing numbers that are way worse than the GFC and even worse than they had their banking crisis in 2012. And I think the question is, how is this going to impact the United States or the global economy? Or are we seeing similar things in the United States? Let's go through this. And at the end of this video, let's connect some dots for you. Starting off with this chart that we used in the thumbnail, and this is uh, a tweet. And as you can see, I'm still banned from Twitter for some reason. <laughs> I'm still locked out of my Twitter account. This this the crypto scammer still has my control of my Twitter account after, what, two, three weeks? Emailed him 20 times. But anyway, I digress. We'll get off the Twitter's a sore spot for me right now. Okay, but it's from Michael A. Arret, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. And he gets the chart from L View Economics. I want to give them credit, full credit here. And this is the Eurozone banking, bank lending to households, monthly flows. And as you can imagine, when this plummets, drops off a cliff, that's not a good sign. That doesn't mean that the borrowers or society at large the consumers are just flushed with cash. They're making so much money that they don't need to borrow anymore because they're all getting rich. <laughs> that, that is not what this means. That means that banks see storm clouds on the horizon and they see risk going parabolic and they say, we are not lending to anybody. We don't care what your stupid interest rates are. We don't care how much quantitative easing or quantitative tightening. It, it just doesn't matter. We're not lending. And therefore, bank lending crashes, which usually means that you are just before or in a recession, or at least in a banking crisis. Because in 2012, you might argue, argue we were not in a global recession, but we definitely had a banking crisis in the Eurozone. Same thing here with the surveillance sickness. Now look at where we are. In fact, it's worse. Jeez, I didn't realize that. It's not only worse than the GFC, it's worse than it was during the Cervasa sickness. So basically, lending is tighter right now in the Eurozone than it was at the peak of the Cervasa sickness when people basically thought it was a zombie apocalypse. The world was coming to an end. It's even worse now. So you may be saying to yourself, okay, George, that's Europe. Sure, they've got their problems. It's all about Putin's war and Ukraine and all these things. This really doesn't apply to the United States. This definitely does not apply to the global banking system. I mean, sure, we've had Silicon Valley Bank and Signature and First Republic. Oh, and don't forget Republic First. <laughs> if you guys think I'm making a joke, I'm not. Watch the videos from last week where we talked about a bank, and that's literally their name, Republic First, instead of First Republic, is now on the brink of bankruptcy as well. But let's just forget all those things. I mean, it's not like we have a banking crisis here in the United States. No way. Just ask Janet Yellen. She'll tell you. Everything's A-OK. -okay. The point here is that banks are tightening credit, and this is never a good sign, especially the way the economy is built here in the United States. So let's go through some other charts here. And like I said, at the end of this video, let's go ahead and connect some dots. So I want to look at a chart of bank credit. Now, this is going back to the United States here. So just in case you thought that was, oh, just a problem in Europe. No, it's not. 
look at what ha- look at the way this chart. See, we got it from 2002. Let me go ahead and do this so you guys can see it a little bit better. But look at the trajectory of this blue line. Do you notice some similarities to how this blue line looks right now as we speak compared to how it looked in, oh, I don't know, say the GFC? You see, bank lending, this is right after Lehman, it starts to go down or the extension of bank credit. And this, again, most people think that the Fed controls credit. They'll just raise and lower the interest rates. Duh. They just do QT. They just do QE. But I always argue, and you, most of you guys know this from watching my videos on the whiteboards, that it's not really about the Fed. It's about perceived counterparty risk. That outweighs everything. It's because there's really no constraint on the bank's balance sheets. You say, oh, Basel three and the reserve requirements. Oh, oh, what are you talking about, George? That constrains the banks. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It All else being equal, if the amount of risk or the perceived risk in the system is the is the same, then there is no real constraint on the bank's balance sheet. They can, they'll figure out a way to lend. You're never, ever, ever going to go to a bank as a perfect borrower and ask for a mortgage, and they're going to say, oh, sorry, we don't have the money. Sorry, we don't have the bank reserves. Sorry, that stupid Basel III thing just came out, and therefore, we can't give you this mortgage. Has anyone in the chat, anyone you know, anyone you've ever, ever heard of, been refused a loan because the bank doesn't have the money or the bank doesn't have the bank reserves or the bank just hit their reserve requirement or the bank has to, they can't lend anymore because of Basel three. That's never, ever, ever, ever happened. <laughs> and it never will happen when you get denied a loan. Why? Well, number one, because you're not a worthy borrower or the bank sees you that way. Right. Or, they charge higher interest. There's a risk premium there. Or they say, okay, we might lend to you at a uh, 50% LTV instead of a 70% LTV or an 80% LTV, putting this in terms of real estate. Or like my good buddy, Kenny McElroy. Let's use him as an example. Most of you know him from his YouTube channels, and he's um, obviously good buddies with Kiyosaki, and he's the one that manages a lot of Kiyosaki's money in his real estate funds. He's one of the, the rich dad advisors. Well, he is one of the top in the business as far as multifamily real estate. And banks, even with Kenny, now are asking him, hey, you've got to put in an additional two, three million dollars in this basically an escrow account. So if interest rates go up or if we see there's a little more risk in the system, these are the banks saying this, then we're going to go ahead and that two million dollars, Kenny, is ours but we'll go ahead and give you the loan. And so you see, this is what happens. It's, it's the credit conditions become tighter or the credit standards become tighter and tighter and tighter. And therefore conditions, money becomes tight, not as a result of interest rates or QT, but as a result of counterparty risk. Now it is true that QE, going back to the GFC, can kick the can down the road. So instead of the whole system collapsing, it props it up a bit to where there's less perceived counterparty risk than there otherwise would be. That's true. But without the Fed, or my point is, the market's always going to overwhelm the Fed. So we look at what's happening right here.
Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. Okay, now I want to shoot over to Fed Funds and show you guys something. So Fed Funds dropped down to zero in February, call it January of 2009, all right? And what did the Fed do at that time? Well, let's look at the size of their balance sheet. 2009, this was after they did QE1, you see? And it uh, preceded QE2. I think that was right around here. And then this was QE3. But this was after QE1. They did QE1, call it November, December of 2008. So in January, they had already done one round of QE, which at the time was unprecedented in the United States. No, People thought that this was just... Um, something that could never, ever, ever happen, but it did. And interest rates were down at zero. And what happened to bank credit? Let's go back to January of 2009. And we see bank credit right around, we'll call it 9 trillion. And we fast forward to 2010 and bank credit is at 8.6. This is after quantitative easing. This is after 0% interest rates. Did the banks go out there and just, oh my gosh, well, the interest rates are zero. Let's just lend, 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 lend. No. Now they probably lent more than they otherwise would have, granted. But that didn't mean that money was loose. Money was still extremely, extremely tight. And what's interesting is today we have the exact opposite. We have the Fed raising rates and doing QT, but we have the exact same phenomenon where money is getting tight. Why? the exact same reason that money was tight after QE and low interest rates in 2009, because the amount of perceived counterparty risk is extremely high. And when the banks see that type of counterparty risk, that's never a good thing. Like I said in the title, in the title this is something you never want to see, assuming that you don't want a recession or an economic depression. And we're starting to see it massively in the UK to the point where it's lower now than it ever has been, even lower than the Cerveza sickness, believe it or not, and way lower than it was during the GFC. But we're seeing the exact same type of phenomenon play out right here in the United States. And if you don't think this is impacting the global economy, you're absolutely crazy. First of all, the US economy matters. The Eurozone economy matters. But think about how interconnected the banks are in the Eurozone with the Eurodollar banks themselves. Think about how connected the, those Eurodollar banks are to the United States banks. You see, so you have this global liquidity tightening, and that happens when the amount of counterparty risk is increasing. And ironically, it creates this doom loop where because of that tightening, 
is occurring, that the counterparty risk is increasing even higher. And that's the stage of the game that we're in right now. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. See you in the next video.